Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. This morning, I want to speak about something very, I'm very passionate about, and I'm increasingly passionate about this, and that is that church is a family. It's so important. We are a family. Do you know what? The Apostle Paul, when he's saying farewell to the Ephesian elders, he said, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. And understanding the whole purpose of God is foundational to building every church. Okay? And it's about understanding what is promised in the Old Testament. It's about understanding how that is then fulfilled in Jesus. And then how we work it out in the local church. That's kind of how we work through the whole purposes of God. God's purposes are essentially a story. A story which is worked out and you read about it in the Bible. But this story becomes our story. It becomes our story as God's new humanity. And so today I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story of how the church is God's family. Um, And you might say... Well, yes, okay, I understand family. We are strong about that in our culture. We are very strong on family. And I find when I travel, there are some very strong cultures on family. But you know what? There are so many cultures in the church. Which one is right? Which is the right one? Somebody from India will have a certain view of how family is. I've been to India. I've enjoyed the hospitality and the warmth of families. It's a lovely thing. But you know, what, people from the Philippines, you do family differently. And, and you, you, you'll be slightly different from how Indian people do family. And then if you're from Nigeria, you'll do family differently again. And it will all look a bit different. And whatever your nationality is, you'll all kind of have a slightly different cultural aspect on family. We all do family differently. And this is the thing. We all think the way we do it is the right expression. We all think that deep down in our hearts. Yes, okay, I like the way you do it. But you know how we do it? This is what we do. Let me show you the right way of doing it. Come to my house and experience it. We all think that. You know, in every culture, there's some good things. And we need to celebrate those good things. But there are things in every culture that actually actually great and go against biblical principles. We find that in every culture in the world. Um, So we need to be careful not to allow our particular culture or experience to interpret what the Bible teaches. It's very easy to do it as we just look through our cultural lens and we think, I know family, there's the word in the Bible, and okay, my culture now, there you go, it means my culture. It's very easy to do. And we can do it in lots of areas. Um, So today I want to tell you God's story. Okay? Explain how Jesus fulfills it. And then I want to give you just three practical outworkings of that. There's obviously more than three. I just want to give you three that I feel God has put on my heart to share with you. So the first one, just to say, to start the story off, um, it's important to say families are derived from the nature of God. Okay? So our story starts with God himself. Ephesians, Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. What an amazing statement and insight that Paul had. Every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. 
Interesting, what are the families in heaven? There's an interesting question as well. Uh, we understand the families on earth. Families flow from who God is. They flow from his very nature. I have to keep going this way around just to catch the end of that row. They flow from his very nature. Okay? Because God is a father. It's an obvious thing to say, but sometimes we need to stop and think about that. God is a father. God knows what it's like to be a father because God himself is a father. Incredible, isn't it? The God of the universe, the creator, the great I am, is a father. Wow. Suddenly God becomes very accessible. God's a dad. Wow, how accessible is God? I didn't know that. God is a father because, why is he a father? He's a father simply because he has a son. (laughs) It's obvious, isn't it? He has a son and his name is Jesus. And the important thing to say is this. Jesus didn't become the son at the incarnation. He has always been God the Son. So God the Father has always been a father for all eternity. And God the Son, one God, three persons, I know it's always difficult to explain. Jesus has always been a son. This is what Jesus says. I came from the Father and entered the world. I'm now leaving the world and going back to the Father. If he came from the Father, he had to be the Son. Otherwise, I came from God, I became a son, and now I'm going back to a new father. It doesn't say that. I came from the father, I'm going back to the father. Therefore, he was the son, he's going back as the son. That's what the scripture shows us. So for all eternity, God has been the father, the son, and the spirit. One God, three persons in perfect love. So there's been this family unit for all eternity. For the whole of eternity past, without beginning... There has been a family unit. There has been a father and a son. That's where the story starts. This is a very old story because it has no age in the end. And so it's not surprising that when God created mankind, he creates a family unit. It's not surprising, is it? Because man is made in his image, so he's creating a family unit because God is a family. Uh, so Genesis 1.27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So at the beginning, God's plan was to fill the earth with families. Families that love God and obey God. That's his plan. Right at the beginning, right at the start of the Bible, representing him, bearing his image, being God in this created world. And even when sin has corrupted his creation, God's plan was to restore his rule through families across the world. And so we see as the story goes on, we can't tell it in all its detail, of course, God makes a promise to Abraham. Um, He promises to Abraham that Abraham will have a family. A family who would bless all the families on the earth. So it says, so Genesis 22, 17, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Genesis 12, 3, and in you all families of the earth will be blessed. So the story is carrying on. Even though sin has come into the world, And as marred the creation, God's plan is still for his family 
to go out and be a blessing. So it's the same commission, isn't it, as Adam and Eve had. Suddenly Abraham has the same thing, really. And so God shows a family line. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He chooses a family line to bless the world through this family line. And Jacob had 12 sons, and with their families became Israel. So even though Israel becomes a nation, Israel is more like a clan than a family. It's bigger than the kind of nuclear family. But actually, um, it's still really a family. This is still God's children working it out. But you know what? Israel is not the end of the story. If we only had our Old Testament, we would think Israel was the end of the story. And what a mess they've made. There's some promises, but they never got fulfilled. There's a lot of promises in the Old Testament. Do you know what? There's a lot of fulfillment that we find as we come into the New Testament. Israel is not the end of the story because God's desire was to bless all the nations on the earth, not just one. God wants all the nations to be blessed. That was the original promise made to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through your family. And so Paul explains this for us in Galatians chapter 3. He says this very, very helpful verse. Does a bit of theology for us. Saves N.T. Wright the trouble. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scriptures do not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but, and to your seed, meaning one person, who is Christ. So, the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham to bless all the families on earth is fulfilled through Jesus. There's a fulfillment. So this story, this family line that starts in the nature of God, that then Adam and Eve have given that responsibility because they bear his image and sin, but sin comes in and mars it, but God's plan and purpose is not going to be thwarted by sin and so God comes to Abraham and he makes this promise and it goes through the family line, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel. But now it comes to us because in Christ there is the ultimate fulfillment because he is the seed. Jesus is the seed. And actually in Christ, the promise therefore comes to us because we have his incorruptible seed in us. What Paul says elsewhere. We've got the incorruptible, Peter actually, we've got the incorruptible seed in us. Okay? Jesus is the seed. And the promise is worked out. Every time somebody becomes a Christ follower, the purpose is worked out. Every time somebody becomes a Christ follower, they are adopted into a new family. And they get a new father, God himself. And that would be a lovely topic to explore at this point, adoption. One of my favorite subjects, but we haven't got time to go there. I've got a great sermon on it. I'll do it one time. Adoption. They are adopted into the family of God. And so the church is made up of Christ followers. So the, sorry, I'll rephrase that. The church, made up of Christ followers, becomes the full expression of God's family. Isn't it incredible? You know, these promises of God that have gone down through centuries come to you now in this generation. Come to you now in the 21st century. Come to you now in modern day Dubai which for most of history has, was a desert. But in these last years, a city has risen up 
out of the desert. And God's put you here because he's got a promise on your life and a purpose on your life. Isn't it amazing? And this is why, this explains the way Paul addresses churches in the New Testament. And we mustn't miss Paul's language because he's very deliberate. He's not just being nice. I'm about to read some nice things. It's, Paul's not just being nice, he's being theologically, um, you know, very, very sharp. But it's more than theology because it's real life. So Paul addresses the Corinthian church as my beloved children. He knew them. You've just got to see who he greets in his letters, the things he knows about the church. He knows them, but they're my beloved children. What a wonderful thing. He writes this, he says, For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Paul has no natural children, as far as we know, in Corinth, but he has an awful lot of spiritual children. Isn't that lovely? For Paul, church is not an organization with a membership. They're his spiritual children. They're his family. You're my children. I'm your father. This is what God has put together. This is how God has made it. And it's in line with this biblical story. It's in line with the nature of God. It's in line with scripture. And it comes to us. Interestingly, I, I love this. When Paul writes to the Thessalonians, he writes something slightly different. He says this. He says, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. There's a few nursing mothers here. How do you care for your babies? A long while since I've been a nursing, I've never been a nursing mother. A nursing father. <laughs> There's a bottle. Nursing father. Sorry. But Paul says, I was a nursing mother to you. Next time you see a nursing mother, just look. Just don't, don't overlook, you know, please. But just think, Paul and the church. Gives you a whole different perspective on what church is and the relationship with leadership, doesn't it? Paul says, I became, for just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. It's lovely to share lives. It's so much more. It's a family. So sometimes Paul is like a father. Sometimes he's like a mother. Whoa. Isn't that amazing? God is like that. It is God the father. It is not God the mother. It is God the father. But God is like a mother. The love. Because the two become one flesh. I won't go into that. Anyway, um, so he's not an absent parent. Paul is not an absent parent giving instructions from denominational headquarters. Which has been a bit of a model over many, many centuries really. Um, An unhelpful model in some kind of denominational settings. Paul's not that. He's not an absent father. Absent fathers are... You know, I think a sad thing, really. Um, He lived among them. He shared his life with them. So later, he writes to Timothy, and he writes about what these new relationships in the church look like. So 1 Timothy 5, verses 1 to 2, very helpful verses for us. Paul says to Timothy, do not rebuke an older man harshly. Timothy's a younger man. Do not rebuke an older man harshly. 
but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. So the church is made up of brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters. The language is important. It's not just a nice thing. Oh, it's a bit like that. Paul isn't saying, it was a bit like my family when I was growing up in Jerusalem or Tarsus or wherever he's growing up. He's not saying that. He's coming from a biblical perspective. And I want to ask you the question, is that how you see yourself? Do you see yourself here as a member of a family? You see, it's not just about attending. Attending could be a good place to start. You've got to start somewhere, haven't you? But if you're born again, you've been born into a family. You've been born into this bigger family called the church worldwide. And you have God as your heavenly father. But he never intends it just to stay like that. He wants to knit you into a local expression of that family where you can work out your life with brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters. And all the rough and tumble that that comes with as a family. Do you know what? This is the key. I think the key to understanding our relationships with each other is grasping that God is the same father of, as, of us all. See, just think about it. God is your father and God is my father. What does that make me? It makes me your brother because we have the same father. That defines it. And it makes you my sister or my brother, depending on who you are. And I think that's really important. It's really, really important. I had this funny situation recently. I've got to be very careful what I say here. Um, in, in, in Worthing, and, and, and I have a meeting in Costas with our meeting leaders. In our church, our meeting leaders are prophetic people. And so I kind of, um, because they're working on that, we can often have a lunchtime meeting in a cafe. Um, sounds very Dubaiish, doesn't it? So, um, so we, we, we are meeting in Costas, and the, and the two people I'm meeting with are both ladies. And one of them comes, and she's on time, I'm on time. But the other lady, she's got delay because of traffic. That sounds very Dubaiish as well. Um, and so um, uh, Nikki comes in with me into Costas. But you know what? Sitting at, by the window is another member of the church, not part of this meeting, somebody that I know. I know him very well. But he's there, he's with somebody else, completely, with a family, uh, uh, his father-in-law, I think. And as I'm walking in with Nikki, I suddenly feel this awful guilt. <laughs> what will Clinton think? I shouldn't have said that, anyway. You might listen to it. It doesn't matter. What will Clinton think? Will he think I'm trying to have a liaison with Nikki? I'm suddenly worried. Now, obviously, that is not happening. Okay, just to reassure you that is not happening. This is a public place, and actually somebody else is coming. And I'm suddenly really wrapped with guilt, and I'm thinking, what do I do about this? So I think, oh no, um, I'm going to go to the loo. I, that's quite common with me as well. But I didn't actually, <laughs> but I didn't want, I didn't even need the loo. I'm just going because I don't, I just don't want to give the wrong impression. And this is somebody else in the church. And I'm getting, I'm getting all confused. And I'm getting, I'm tripping over my own shoelaces, as it were, kind of a phrase. <laughs> In all this, I'm praying for Kelly to turn up. Lord, would you just part, if you can part the waves, part the traffic, just 
just do it one time. And, it, and, and, and what I'm caring about is my reputation, and I'm caring about what do people think of me. I have lost sight that I have the same father as Nikki. She's my sister. I'm her brother. And everything is fine. And I don't need to get into a pickle. And Kelly did turn up, praise God. The funny thing about that one is, we're then having our meeting, there's somebody next to us, we don't know who they are, they suddenly turn around and prophesy over all three of us. Isn't that weird? That's never happened before either. So, <laughs> so there you go. And it wasn't Clinton. Um, so, it, God is the same father for you and me. And that helps us define. And it's so important that we see each other as brothers and sisters. It diffuses a lot of things. It takes a lot of uncomfortableness out of it, you know? We're brothers and sisters together. And within that, there are sons and daughters and mothers and fathers. Okay, my conclusion is the three points of application. So what are some of the practical outworkings for you, for City Hill, to express yourself as a family? First one is this. Salvation is bringing to birth, not saving souls. Um, Jesus says, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So people become Christians by being born again. They're born into a new family. It's birth language, it's family language. Born again is family language. It's about having babies. That's what it's about. And the problem is if we desexualize our language, I think we hinder new Christians from grasping their place in the family. We need to use that language. You're a new Christian, you're a baby in Christ. You've been born again. You're born into a new family. The language is deliberate. It's all there to help us. Because as infants in Christ, they need special care and love. What infant doesn't need a special care and love? We know that's true. This is what Peter says. Like newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. So salvation is something we need to grow into. We aren't born mature. Okay? Uh, but I think we sometimes make the mistake and we think people are born mature. They're not, and it, it's important that we understand that. Therefore, we've got to avoid quick fixes, okay? We've got to avoid shortcuts with people that have come to Christ. A quick prayer of salvation, now they're saved, now let's move on to the next one. That's not, kind of how, that's not how babies work. Baby delivered, okay, on to the next one. Baby, <laughs> you not only wear yourself out, but who's going to look after the baby? You're the one. If you brought the baby into the world, if you're part of the birth of the child, you already have a parental responsibility, don't you, for the child that you brought into the world. You know what I mean. And parenting takes many years. I know this. I have a 24-year-old, a 22-year-old, and a 19-year-old they need their dad. Despite what my culture says, I know they need their dad and they need their mum as well. Parenting takes many years and we need to nurture new family members. So I want to ask you the question, who are you nurturing? Who are your spiritual children here? Do you see them as children? And of course, who are your mothers and fathers? Who's nurturing you? It's a healthy, it's called discipleship actually. But let's use the, let's use the family language. It's helpful. I think everybody here should have a mother and a father and should have sons and daughters. I think that's the kind of the healthy way it is. Okay, second point of application. Church provides a new family. 
Jesus said that many of his followers would lose family members because of the gospel. Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times as much at this time and in the age to come eternal life. It's so important we don't just offer a club or an organization or something trendy or cool to be a member of. We're offering a family. Sometimes people have to leave and have a big price to pay in leaving family to become a Christ follower. So we need to offer them a family, not some cheap substitute. It's important. We need to offer them mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters. I remember years ago, um, I, was, I was a fairly new Christian. I was really involved in a church in London. Um, I went home for Christmas with my family. Uh, you saw my mum, and there are other, obviously lots of other family members there. And I, I, I still love them. You know I love my mum. I wouldn't show you a picture if, <laughs> if I didn't love her. But actually, I had found a new family. And even though it was nice celebrating, Christian, celebrating Christmas with my you know, natural family, I wanted to really get back to. It's the first time I think I really realized I've been born into a new family. I have new mothers and fathers. We don't, if we don't have to, we don't forsake them, of course, but we're in a new family. And I'm just going to skip over the last bit of that point. There was a scripture coming up. Actually, there should be no needy amongst us. Let me just skip over that because we're running out of time. So the third thing... And I want to finish with this. This is my last point. Application of what does it mean to be a family. We are a family on mission. I think this is a big one. Jesus defined family. It's very interesting. Jesus defined family in terms of those who are on mission with him. That's how we defined his family. Because this is what he says in Matthew 12. He says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Because they've come. They say, your mother and brothers are here, Jesus. He says, who are my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here is my mother and my brothers. Wow. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. What a radical statement. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus only did mission with his new family of followers. So the whole mission of the church should feel like a family. Because that's what that scripture is helping us to see. Together as a family, we are doing the will of our Father in heaven. And so we've got to avoid mission done individually, I think. Of course, there are moments when you will have your conversation. But already with Amanda, she's having these conversations, showing these pictures. But what she's doing is she's, she, she's telling us, the church, what's going on, getting us to pray. And she's inviting them, like you've got a Christmas, we have a Christmas event. She's inviting them because she's saying, come and meet some of my other friends. Come and meet some of my other family members. So we've got to avoid an individualistic view of mission. We're a family together on mission because it's through the church that God wants to bless all the nations of the world it is through you but it's through us together and in the west particularly we have a very individualistic view of faith and living it out I know that's not quite the same across the world but in, in and certainly in the west it is and we think fishing is like with a fishing rod 
and reeling it in. It's a lonely old task, but I'm bringing in a bucket of fish. Actually, the picture is far more of a family together with a boat and a net and all the family members and even the littlest ones are involved. They may not even be out in the boat, but they're going to be picking the fish out the net and they're going to be knitting the net back together when it's a bit torn. That's much a better picture. That's a biblical picture. You know, mission is family. We do it together. And I think that's great because it, it takes this massive responsibility and burden off me and we share it together. And we share in our joys together and our successes together. Our mandate, your mandate, my mandate, our mandate, okay, I'm finishing with this statement, is to fill the earth with families. That's what we're called to do, which means planting churches in every nation. That's what we're called to do. We're meant to plant families in every nation because we're filling the mandate. We're fulfilling the mandate God gave to Adam and Eve. We're fulfilling the mandate that God gave to Abraham. It's fulfilled in Jesus and it comes to us and it comes to this generation. And the gospel should go out to the ends of the earth and then the end will come. So we're called to plant churches, genuine families, bringing good news of Jesus to that place. Shall we stand? I'll just pray and then we're going to finish. <laughs> Father, we thank you so much. We're a family. What a wonderful, wonderful thing you have instituted. You were a family from the beginning and you've drawn us in. You've, you've drawn us into your perfect love that we now have love for one another as family members. You know, there could have been, well, there never could have been, to be honest, but we, we could have found that there was a dictator on the throne and we were all just servants whipped and subjected to the master's, you know, will. But what we find is we find there's a father on the throne. And a father, by nature, loves children. What father doesn't love children? You, you suddenly begin to love children when you have your own. You begin to love all children. And Father, you love all children. So Father, thank you so much. I pray, Lord, that City Hill, I pray this church here would really see themselves as a family. A family on a mission. Help them to work it out, Lord. Help them to contextualize it which isn't easy when there's so many different cultures here, but help them to contextualize it, to work out what it actually looks like, which brings honor to you. But it's a beautiful demonstration, not just to this city, but to the cities of the world, that actually, this is what it's about. This is what church is. It's family. It's mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters. And I pray, Lord, you would raise many sons and daughters. I pray, Lord, you would um, honor many mothers and fathers. I pray many brothers and sisters will have just such fun together as they do life together. Lord, I just pray your blessing upon this church, Lord. And Lord, I pray that a blueprint is drawn here of biblical principles that is exported around the world about church and family. In each setting, it will need to be contextualized and, and, and we'll need to understand how that works in the settings. But the principles remain. They don't change. I pray, Lord, give all of us here a deeper understanding of it. 
And I pray, Lord, that we would export this around the world because that's our mandate to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. That's our mandate. There's nothing short of that. Anything short of that is too small a thing. So, Lord, help us to do that. Thank you, Lord. We give you glory and honor. Amen. Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. Thank you.